Hello, good afternoon. Welcome to Aspen Weight Live. Delighted, uh, as always, to have your company this lunchtime. And I am delighted, as always, to have the company of Mr. Paul Waite. Although I didn't get it last week, did I? I left you to it. You didn't get it? No, you left me without it. You did, yeah. you, you did very well. I'd like to say a special hello to my favourite person, Evelyn Waite, who's watching at this moment. So, Grandad's waving to you, darling, you wonderful little girl. It was lovely to have her bouncing on my my lap yesterday. Uh, I'm probably the person with the lowest intellect she's ever met in her life so far, so that was a great meeting of minds. Hello, Evelyn. Hope you enjoy the enjoy it as uh, watching it as much as myself and Paul enjoy <laughs> putting it on the show. Yeah. I don't well loads to talk about today and as always I invite you to comment I know we had quite a few comments actually last week um, when I left you on your own so if you do want to comment please do uh, across social media and of course if you're listening to the podcast as I know many of you do uh, then do get in touch via our usual email address which is podcast at aspen-weight.co.uk plenty to talk about today I do want to get on to the fact that we are launching fully launching our radio station next monday i know we'll briefly touch on it next week as well but that's to look forward to but before we do that we have to do as we always do it's almost (laughs) becoming the the sunday times of the uh, live stream world where we review the week yeah i think so um it's uh, we mentioned before this that there's there's now law and order has gone into anarchy really it's 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 becoming a very worrying time to be a British citizen. Um, we discussed on our usual group meeting on a Monday morning the, you know, the, the, the police service and what their role is and and how they're functioning. Which the conclusion was it it, it wasn't very well. And don't get me wrong, I don't think that's all at the door of the uh, of the Metropolitan Police or indeed the wider UK police. But I I do think it as always comes from the top down. Just initially, let's get your thoughts on the last three or four days. Um, we've we've seen beaches packed to the rafters and almost I think it was a state of emergency declared in in Bournemouth with the amount of people they reckon half a million people went there on Thursday despite the fact of the warnings to stay away no action taken from the government though at all Um, we don't blame them because we're big football fans but we saw Liverpool fans in their droves despite police and you know government advice go to the streets of Liverpool to celebrate and we've seen a number of riots in Brixton this week as well it's it's worrying times what's your take on it all Paul? I think there are aspects of the Liverpool celebration which we should condemn yes. such as the firing of the you know the the, the fireworks at the uh, Liver building um, and you know, it was I, I watched a video of it actually yesterday it was um, truly truly terrifying I would have said yeah, I mean, you can't have one rule for one and one rule for the other, can we, when we're talking about these things? The thing that was most poignant about the um, the video about the, the Liverpool thing was uh, the collection of police people, that's what I can call them, uh, who did nothing at all other than stand in this very passive way watching everything going on. Um, so we've now got a situation where uh, the police have effectively allied themselves with um, the, the the spirit of Black Lives Matter, certainly, um, and uh, climate change, I'd say, probably just about all the things that uh, are pretty big, pretty big in this world. Um, and of course, what we're now seeing is, you know, if you think about 
um, the basic, you know, get, get, get back to real basics. You know, what as a, as a citizen, what do you what do you demand from your police force? Well, I would say probably a basic right would be feeling safe. Yeah, I would you agree. Know. Can I walk down the road without some idiot doing something to me without that person having to be accountable for that? So, you know, it's, quite, it's probably quite a good way of putting it. Um, what we have now is we have um, we have effectively uh, whole groups, particularly of young people, um, going out onto the street and rightly, I think, rightly believing that they can behave in whatever manner they see fit because those in authority will allow them to do it. I think it's interesting. We always, we've always talked over the last few months about positioning ourselves as a real discussion and we won't allow ourselves to delve into what we think of the, the media at the moment and the situation that, that that's in. And perhaps this conversation will naturally go to that. But we, we want to have a real discussion about this. And I think it's a really interesting point that you make, Paul, about what would, the, what would a person believe that they would want from their police force or their government even and what they're getting and I think there's a there's a there's a real you know a divide there there's a real gap in between what you would expect and what we're getting yeah I don't, I don't know divide's the right word um I mean you know effectively what we what we have is it's interesting I don't know about you know this might be sounding really interesting I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in history as you know and also in the whole concept of things like time travel you know, so I love you know some of the H.G. Wells stuff and and all this, you know, and and and, and the whole concept of getting in a TARDIS, and uh, I quite often will say that, you know, we haven't got a TARDIS or whatever. And um, and it's interesting, a period of history which I instinctively hate, and I would have not liked to have lived in these times, would be the Wild West. Okay, uh, why is that? Because of the lawlessness of it. Or, or my perception of the lawlessness of it. So the whole concept that I could be in a bar having a glass of whiskey and that some mean hombres could walk in and basically pick on me because they could, you know, uh, just basically terrifies the hell out of me. Uh, and I say that because that seems to be sort of where we are. Now, you've got a situation now where in Brixton you had whole groups of youths with pickaxes, batons, all sorts of things, uh, causing criminal damage to police property. Um, I believe I'm right in saying that over, I think well over 100 police officers have been injured this week in various different situations. And the police's response to the pickaxes and all that is to run away. And to leave, I think 20, is it right? I think I'm right in saying 20 police cars were destroyed. Mm. Um, now, when you consider that each of those police cars in, in, in themselves is probably worth, what, 20, 25 grand? I don't know, maybe. Uh, so that, that's half a million pounds of criminal damage. But worse than that, you've got a situation where, this is how I look at it. You know, I said that, you know, I, 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 and I'll go to my grave thinking this, the, the UK medical profession betrayed the Hippocratic Oath over um, 
the coronavirus because they basically said, you know, we gave you that we gave this oath when we became qualified medical practitioners that we would we would care for all life. Well, they they basically said, unless unless there's something wrong with you to do with coronavirus, we don't care if you die of cancer mm. or we don't care if you die of this or we don't care if you die of that. You know, and I think that's there's a there's a parallel there's a parallel there. You know, and um, if you're a resident of Brixton. Basically, what the police said is, uh, "You're on your own." Not only, not only, not only, we're not going to stop these people doing this terrible thing. If you happen to get caught up in it, or they decide to go in your house and kill you, then we'll just let them. Well, there's a couple of points I want to make here. One will be going on towards uh, the government and the fact that I'll support the police in saying that they're left with very little choice um, because I don't think the government are backing them. But firstly, let, let's get to the heart of the riots in Brixton. Um, I don't know about the demographic and the population of the the area particularly, and I'm not going to try and quote stats, but when you look at the media and you look at the pictures, there there is an awful lot of black uh, youths, uh, black men and women that were involved in those Brixton riots. Now, at the moment, and, we, and this was coming on to our point really about anarchy and a, about the fact there's no law and order, if you're a police officer in the Metropolitan Police, and I'm sure if they were allowed to and we could get them on, <laughs> what, what are your view, and, and they were to give their views. What would be going through their mind, given the state of the the world, the country, and what's happened when you are confronted with, a, a, you know, a, a, a huge, you know, in their hundreds of, of of black males and females and youths? You would be thinking, as a police officer, we we've got no choice but to retreat because if we do any seem to be doing anything here on camera, then the world will go even further into anarchy. And this is what I meant the other week when I said, we're going too far with this. We're allowing things to happen, like you, to your point, the statues. And, and we're getting this left-wing response to everything, which means when you get to a, an incident like Brixton, quite frankly, those people in Brixton could do what they want because they, the police can't touch them and they're not supported by the government. Yeah, it's very interesting. I watched, a, you know, I'm a big admirer of Douglas Murray's work and Douglas Murray... Um, I watched a, 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 one of his latest uh, YouTube interviews this morning, um, and he was talking about how the fact that um, if you take a, if you take the the things that people get angry about, Black Lives Matter, tran- transvestites' rights, gay rights, heterosexual rights, uh, Brexit, uh, you know all these sort of things. Um, and what you find, what you know, what, and he made a very good point that what you find is actually um, nearly all of these different things all adversely cl- cl- clash with each other. So, for instance, um, transvestites, uh, transvestite rights, uh, almost certainly completely diametrically clash with the rights of women. So, we've got a situation now where where someone like J.K. Rowling. Who who's, who who makes comments which are nothing other than, you know, biologically correct, uh, are are not only you know are, are vilified, uh, and not just vilified by you know vilified by the Harry Potter stars who owe their 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 existence to her, for instance, you know. Um, I'm sorry if I'm, 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 this is an analogy to this. So I'm, what I'm what I'm saying is is that. Um, you know what, what 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 this is all about i guess is you know you're saying that um you know this 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 group of people 
who the media has um, at the moment. It's, it's, I have to be very careful what we say because I was when I was I was listening to you just then, and you know I've never been a politically correct person in my life, and I think you know there would be people who wouldn't like the fact that you used the word black several times. Um, and if you if you um, if you listen to the BBC, for instance, the BBC are are ominously quiet. So, for instance, if, there, if, if ever there's a terrorist event, they don't say uh, the suspected terrorist was a Muslim. That's not, you're not allowed to say that. You've got to say something like, uh, and, and even you know they'll even deny it was a terrorist incident until until the very last minute. You know, if there's any way of getting out of saying the truth, they will, won't they? And as you rightly pointed out in the meeting this morning, uh, where 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 could you easily see on the BBC the Brixton? You know, there were no pictures of uh, of people smashing up police cars with pickaxes. Um, they weren't shown on the BBC. You know, we already we already know the BBC edited. Uh, you know, the 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 the, the mob situation in London. Um, they they didn't show the panned out view to show. Uh, the view they wanted to show the people that, in fact, there wasn't trouble. Yeah, absolutely. And let and let just going back to your point uh, there, Paul, about the you know the use of language. Uh, let, let's be clear for anybody that's uh, watching here. We are telling the we're having a real debate, and the issue here it, we are trying to tackle is why law and order seemingly has. Has, has, has turned into anarchy and there is no law and order in the country at the moment and one of the, the reasons that we were demonstrating that was why the police may feel that they can't take action and part of the Brixton riots would be and there could be another term that I could use the, I, mean, I know the police have uh, you know I, I think it's IC4 is it a, a term that they use uh, black male female uh, youths whether, whether I was expressing that for to be white or black it doesn't matter I can use that term and that that was the reason why the police couldn't take action. Now, one of the things I do want to um, just go on to very quickly, Paul, is just this uh, article that has been picked up by many of the mainstream uh, media, and we'll we'll use that term to, you know, to define the likes of Sky, BBC, and some of the papers. Is the speeding fines uh, big thing this weekend about speeding fines up to up seventy percent people scored caught speeding and one of the things that a couple of the mainstream media are picking up on is the fact that the police probably should have um, bigger and better things to worry about now I'm not saying if you break the law you you don't deserve to be punished because obviously you do but this is the kind of thing again that why are we police are seemingly going after these things because there's there's nothing that they can get into trouble for for doing it is that is that what we're is that what we're looking at now the police are not taking action because they are scared of social media, of videos, and of the backlash, whether it be Black Lives Matter, whether it be another campaign, they are simply scared of taking action. Mm. Yeah, my, my instinctive reaction is it's not that's not quite how I would see it. I think um, the police, the, the police, uh, very much like the BBC, uh, the, the general public, um, you know, let's, let's, let's call it a sort of traditional white middle class you know male or say um i think has has has, has, has long started to see the police uh, in a very different light so you know i think it's a very sad situation where you get someone who was a great patriot in myself for instance you know who who um i would say very much admires strength and 
you know, military strength and that sort of thing. Uh, I've basically been relatively anti the police for quite a long time. Uh, why is that? Because I myself have experienced ridiculous acts against me. Um, and I know friends that have been arrested for running. Seriously, you know, running, running home. I've been locked up in the cell for the night, you know. Um, my uh, one of one of my sons, when he was younger, uh, got arrested because he 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 and his friends went into a derelict house uh, that was unoccupied. Um, and I said to the police sergeant in the morning, "What's ever happened to your common sense? Where is that? Where is that good old-fashioned Bobby?" And 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 to fair, he said, "I'm that." I'm that man. That's why he, I'm letting him out. But the fact is, the man that arrested him didn't have that. Do you see what I mean? So I think, you know, I think that um, the police, the police have disconnected from the community, from the from the decent people in the community. Might be a better way of putting it. Over a period of years, and it's just degenerated. And I think, you know, the answer to your point about. Uh, Actually, I have I have slightly mixed views on this. I mean, as you know, I cycle a huge number of miles. And for instance, when I went cycling on Sun Saturday, I had, you know, bearing in mind most of the roads that I cycle on are small roads, you know, on the whole. I must have had three cars come towards me between 60 and 80 miles an hour on a country road. And you'll know what it's like. It's terrifying. When you're on a bicycle, you are, you know, very, 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 you know, powerless. Um, and to have these idiots driving towards you at this ridiculous speed, you know. So I think there's there's a small part of the argument, which is people have been driving too fast over lockdown. Uh, noticeably so, in my opinion. Um, I think behavioral standards have gone out the window. Um you know, I, I think certainly the driving, the driving I've witnessed as a cyclist is the worst in my life, beyond all doubt. So I think you could argue, therefore, being fair for a minute, and I, I think it's very important. We always go on about us being balanced. So I think one of the reasons why the statistic has gone up is because people deserve to have been done. Right. So I think that's part of it. Unfortunately, I think the, the, the central argument is uh, I think most people, including myself, I would be of the opinion that the police will two things, I guess. One is they will always pick the easier target. And secondly, to some extent, they will do anything they can to generate money. I think there are a couple of really fair points in there. As we say, we do like to be balanced. And I, th I think you're right. You know, as a cyclist myself, I, I realise that you know, having been on many of the roads over the last few weeks, that that is certainly the case. There's certainly some some reckless and uh, and and you know drivers going on that are speeding. And I did say that if if people deserve to be punished, then they should be. Moving away slightly from the police for a moment towards the government, one yeah. of the big talking points of the last week was on Wednesday and Thursday, where we saw, and in particularly Bournemouth, but I know there were a lot of other areas up to half a million people went to Bournemouth. And if you haven't seen the news and if you read in the detail, part of the problem here was simply overcrowding. So there were cars on just parked 
for miles on on road. There were fights happening on the beaches mm. because there was no room. Um, there was absolutely, if you see the pictures, there were absolutely wall to wall people, and there were more problems beyond that. Which which uh, Bournemouth Council call, uh, called it a, uh, uh, I think what, what was the term they used? It said it was a state of emergency in Bournemouth mm. on Thursday. Now though, I, I've spoken to people across the weekends. Whatever view you've got of lockdown and not lockdown and how the government have behaved, there are a lot of people now that are furious because all the hard work that has been put in and all the pain and suffering that we've gone through and will go through has been completely undermined by the fact that you can't have it two ways. If if, if social distancing is important to a certain point, yes, we should go back to work. Yes, we should be sensible. But you can't have half a million people on a beach why are the government coming out and and Miss Patel and Mr Johnson come out and say, yes, I, I, I think there's terrible behaviour from the British public? And that's it. That's all we get. Why, why are we not doing more to stop that happening? Or, or is there nothing the government can do? Well, I'm rather interested in what you think they should do. Before, well, before, I think it would have been blindingly obvious to anybody that that's what the British public would have done so there, there, there perhaps should have been some thought into the fact if we are in this un, I think you used the expression before we came on Paul never before have you seen a time like this we, we're talking about this is the biggest crisis in 100 years the economy and everything else surely 300 years I'd say well yeah surely <laughs> some foresight into okay we're ending lockdown we're, we're coming out of lockdown it's going to be the hottest week of the year we need to put a plan in place, whether that be via roadblocks or whatever that might be, to stop half a million people going to the beach. We always, as with coronavirus, seem to be reacting instead of planning for this. Because to answer your question, no, I don't know what they could have done afterwards apart from, say, we're closing the beaches. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was just saying, I could probably write a book in response to the overall point you make because there's so many... There are so many points uh, that, that arise from any thought about this. I think probably the, the the main thing that went into my mind, as you know, I'm a great Democrat, libertarian, uh, free speech, cosmopolitan, live and let live type guy. Uh, my biggest problem with lockdown in the first place was the was the abandonment of democracy the imposition of a nanny state, big brother knows best, you're stupid, you know, you all need to be told what six feet means because you're not sensible enough to know it for yourself. Um, and, and let's be honest, you know, this is quite this is quite an interesting point. You know, throughout uh, the whole period of lockdown, let's say for at least two months, uh, the overwhelming, not only did the overwhelming majority of people actually listen to what the government said uh the vast majority of them were actually scared for it to come to an end um and i think um i think probably one of the things we could conclude from what's happened is that there is there is only so much that the the average person will put up with for so long and i think what what actually happened is 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 that because the, 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 the thing that was missing throughout was the word common sense. So there wasn't common sense applied. And so 
you know, I, I, I think it was this was read, written in the Times yesterday. It said basically that the the, the government uh, had succeeded at one thing only, which was terrifying most of the nation. That's what they mm-hmm. said. They they completely succeeded in terrifying most of the nation. So you still have. I go to Marks and Spencers every Saturday uh, to go shopping. Uh, there was a guy uh, in full regalia, mask and everything, on Saturday, and every time. Uh, I got anywhere near him, you'd think I was going to kill him, you know, look on his face, you know. Um, you know, and I think it's, I, th- I think there'll be people still walking around in their face masks at Christmas because some people sort of almost get off on it. Yeah. And then what I find quite amazing as someone, you know, someone who is, co- you know, so on the one hand, um, I am uh, a great libertarian, but for instance, um, one of our colleagues, Who's the only person I actually know who who has caught coronavirus? Asked to see me uh, two weeks ago, and I refused. Um, not because I'm scared, but because I just didn't see the point of me taking the risk. You know, I I don't know what you know. There is not enough evidence to to show that if you meet someone that you pick, you know, you provenly knew had coronavirus, that you as someone who hasn't had it, you know, are, are undeniably safe in their presence so i i i took the view that why take the risk you know i can have a zoom call with him so that's what i did so the reason i said that you know i am i am as you know i'm the epitome of not scared whatever and then it's like you go from one extreme to the other one minute the government are like you know if you you, you know you can't even have sex with your girlfriend for god's sake you know for instance you know which is ab- absolutely probably one of the most terrible things in history i would suggest um and then and then you know and 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 the whole population being terrified that they the, the bubonic plague has come upon us and then the, the sun comes out a few weeks go by the government realizes that they've completely messed up the economy's in free fall uh and now it's all right for rioters to go and not socially distance socially distance it's all right for tens of thousands of people to lie next to each other on the beach. And, and and the reason for that is because there is no reason. It's not it's it's because it's because they're given that the whole attitude is is driven by fear, not principle. Well, that was the interesting point that I wanted to, to get to is I'm not there'll be people listening to this, I'm sure, that will say, Well, you know, it's fine. We're on the there's no evidence as as you said to suggest that being on a beach um, in the in the temperatures of thirty degrees is actually going to mean that people are going to c- catch coronavirus. But my point really was, the government are coming out and saying because we've talked all about today about law and order. The government have come out and pretty Patel and obviously um, Boris Johnson have, have said this is not acceptable. It's it's not good enough. People going to beaches is 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 you know it's not good at all. It's terrible. Why not come out and say look that's fine. You know, we don't, there's no evidence suggesting 30 degree heats that that's a problem. We're trying to get the economy back going. It's fine. Or come out and say, okay, or before we're going to do something about it. And and to our point, the point that we're making here is law and order and leadership. There, there's none of it at all. They, they're coming out and condoning it, but they've got no plan for it. They, they knew it would happen going into it and they had no plan for it. So we're almost in this situation where... I, I think it's a bad thing that half a million people went to the beach, although I've got yeah, no absolutely. scientific evidence yeah. about it. Um, there are people that thinks it, think it probably doesn't matter because it's 30-degree uh, sun. 
but we are not we got no definitive answer and you and I are debating it because there is nothing from the government that is is doing anything about this at all guiding us on it I think the um you, you hit it on the head there I think the key point you've made this morning is to, to be honest here, I'm not really I'm not particularly interested in about whether or not the coronavirus travels in 30 degree heat the fact is uh, as I demonstrated with my own conduct is there is reason for doubt okay that would be that would be the point there is there's no way that anyone could lie on a beach next to loads of other people certain they weren't going to catch anything hmm. but that's not really the point I think the point that you made which is totally totally persuasive for me is it's either all right or it isn't all right whereas what the government do is like is it or isn't it you know it's like um did do they think it's all right not to do something because it's not a problem in which case say it's not a problem if it is a problem say it's a problem <coughs> you know that's that's where that's where it's falling down isn't it yeah that's exactly the, the exactly the thing we're talking about this morning which is that this idea of um leadership and um you know the government obviously leading uh, the country uh, into these things um, do give us your thoughts as well if you want to comment across social media uh, you can get in touch and if you're listening on our podcast uh, you can do uh, that as well by emailing podcast at aspen-weight.co.uk uh, we will continue uh, to talk more about this I'm sure one of the other things that I, I, I do want to mention which is again related to our law and order um, is the social media we've talked a lot about the media but one of the reasons we mentioned the police may not take action in Brixton is because of the fact that people have camera phones, they have Twitter, they have Facebook, and these things spread like wildfire on there. And there's a lot of hate across social media. And I remember in a group meeting, I think it was last week, where I questioned whether Aspen Weight as a company should continue to be on Twitter because of the, the hate and the vile that's on there. Now, we've got a list of companies now that Coca-Cola, uh, Diageo, Unilever... Uh, and now Starbucks have all announced that they will suspend all advertising on social me- media in response uh, to, to this hatred. It's really interesting, isn't it, that, that um, we seem to have this huge problem that, that can be linked back to the fact why, why maybe the police w- wouldn't take action anymore, and, and yet we, we know it's a problem, and these big companies have now said they're not advertising on it. Where, where are we heading, do you think, with this... With, with social media, because some would say that this is um, perhaps 80% of the world's problem right now. Yeah, that's a, that's a million-dollar question. Tough isn't one, it? isn't it? I mean, well, I think, you know, I said, I said this um, quite passionately, I think, in the group meeting this morning, that effectively um, the battle has been lost. The mm. battle for social media and the media has been lost. It's been won by... Uh, neo-Marxist, nearly communist, woke, politically correct, uh, tradition-hating, everything-hating people, you know. Uh, It's difficult to see, in fact, how that situation could be reversed. That's how serious it is. Um, You know, when you consider, you know, this is a fact, did you know that one nine nineteen percent of Britons believe that coronavirus was brought about by the Jews? Wow, that is Fact. incredible. You know, um, one of the things I did want to talk about, so I'm glad I'm, I've got the opportunity to be naughty and do it anyway, whether you let me or not. Um, one of the things I have to say, I, I actually 
again said in the group meeting this morning that uh, although I don't like him, I have to say, the only person uh, in in authority who has done anything in the last four weeks in any way that you could engender respect is Keir Starmer. Mm. Uh, you might argue that he he was a little bit politically opportunistic insofar as you had old um, old Long Bailey, um, the chosen successor to Mr. Corbyn. Um, so she was obviously, you know, she was expected to win, I think, to be to be fair. I think when it started, everyone thought that the Corbynistas would make sure that she she became the successor. But she she's so inept, she wasn't even able to walk in, walk down the road that was swept clear for her. It's probably how I put it. Um, and uh, and of course, um, no, it's interesting. You know, there's a lady called Maxine Peake, who was a violent anti-Semite who is a constituent of Long Bailey, um, who's long held very you know, strong anti-Semitic views. Uh, and effectively what Long Bailey did is retweeted uh, a, a, a thing from Peak which she hadn't read. Hmm. And of course, there's no, there, what, what I think what's quite interesting about this is uh, Starmer obviously didn't want to be associated with... Uh, the past so you know the labor party is is still the the first and only party in the world to be taken to court for racism uh as far as i'm aware that has not been that that case has not been tried yet in terms of the final outcome and i and i think starmer felt that under his watch uh labor had to be seen to be not in any way condoning anti-semitism but of course, as soon as he, as soon as he basically told Long Bailey where to go, you then then on social media get this massive, massive reaction from you know all the Corbynistas, the wokes, basically saying how terrible this is, and and you know I think um, you know what I think I think I don't I don't know what the answer is, Ben, because um, social media has just become like a one-way street vent isn't it mm. it's like a one-way street venting thing i mean one of the thing i don't know you know you know better than me you know i'm i'm much more of a dinosaur than you uh you know to me it just seems to me that whoever runs facebook linkedin twitter etc there has to be some some mechanism to avoid things which are clearly unacceptable being allowed to be put into the public domain yeah, and this is what Coca-Cola have, have, have come out and said this week. Um, they've, they've called for greater accountability from social media firms. And uh, as I said, the likes of Starbucks have, have followed suit Unilever, big, big uh, known brands and companies. And um, I, I kind of predicted this over the last few months, really, that, that it, it couldn't continue the way it has. Um, and it does, I, I mean, I, as you know, Paul, live near Reading, and I, I saw on social media you actually got the... Um, you know, a, a video that popped up on social media of the police giving CPR to two people in the park in Reading that eventually died, and and that mm. kind of thing. It's, you know, it, it it is becoming a vile platform, and I think a lot of these companies now are pushing for change. I'm sure that social media will survive in in a form and and continue to do do some of the good things that it does, which is to help people communicate and help people um, be in contact with. Uh, businesses, friends, family, but there needs to be action taken. And I think Coca-Cola being 
I mean, this is interesting because obviously you're a, a man of uh, great knowledge when it comes to businesses, but you'd probably call Coca-Cola what the, one of the, 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 the biggest brand in the world, maybe? Um, in fact, it's going to be on my radio show this week. Is it? Hmm. Excellent. For a reason that you'll, you'll find out soon. So calling it the biggest, yeah, the, the the biggest brands in the world. If, if the biggest brand in the world are taking uh, action, then hopefully, um, hopefully, others will follow suit. We may get some change. That was a wonderful link. You can tell that Paul's spent the last eight weeks doing his breakfast show because um, his links are uh, becoming near perfect. And that was a great link to the final thing that we want to talk about today, which is, of course the launch of our full the full launch of our radio station don't forget get your comments in across social media you can email us um with the address uh, podcast at aspen-weight.co.uk if you want to talk about anything that we have talked about uh, this morning uh, right moving on to the full launch of the radio station you will be moving your show from this week's your last friday breakfast paul and then you'll be moving to saturday and sunday Ready because of you yes because of me <laughs> Yeah, you're like Richard the Third. You're like the usurper. Yeah, so we've, yeah. we yeah, you can go to AspenWaitRadio.com <laughs> to find out more uh, about our station. And of course, we put a lot of time and effort into enabling you to what listen live, listen again, follow your favourite shows, and do everything you need to be able to do. Um, just not to go into too much detail because I tend to ask you awkward questions um, and put you on the spot of stuff that, you, as you said, you could write a book on, but. Um, it's a it's a it's a really proud moment to have what we would like to think of as every bit as good a radio station as anything in the commercial sector with what we put into it, um, and it's a it's a really big moment for Aspen Weight. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's 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 quite a probably difficult to find the words to sum it up. Really, you know, we we had um, discussions this morning about you know, how, why, wherefores, you know, why did it come up as an idea in the first place? I just think all that's really relevant is all the things you said are true. I think um, uh, one of the things I would say about us as a group of people, doesn't matter whether you're you, me, whoever it is, I think we do things really well. And it's quite funny, actually. One of the things I would cite uh, in that would be, for instance, even... Aspen Wake's always known how to throw a party. Yeah. No, serious. I'm serious. There's quite a serious point, you know. Um, even, so I'd say, you know, if you, I, I, as someone that's been in business a long time, you know, and, and, and been exposed to the very biggest businesses and seen all sorts of things, uh, I'm very proud to say that I've, I don't think that any other company hosts people as well as we do. You know, we we look after people. We make that little bit. You know, we make that effort to mm. to give them what they want to eat, to make sure they have something to eat. You know, how many places do you go to where it's like you know you turn up at twelve o'clock and the person it's like is oblivious to them that you might want to eat something. You know, I just find those little things just tell you everything uh, subliminally. You would want to know about about somebody's attitude. You know, and I think. Um, what um what is true about us is it doesn't really matter whether it's um doing an audit or an r&d tax credit or a, a website or launching the radio everything we do has to be done brilliantly and you know i i 
I genuinely mean this. I was talking this morning. I don't. So, for instance, you know, I don't believe that anybody could talk better than you do. You know, and I said to Coach this morning when I first met you, and I sat there and thought, well, I'm going to do a show. I sat there and I thought, I want to be, I want to be as good as him. And I said to um, Coach, I don't think I'll ever be as good as you um, in terms of. Um, I don't know the professionalism and the sheer, you know, the the years of training and uh, and crafting that took you to where you are. But I think, you know, I might give you a run for your money because of my personality. Do you know what I mean? Because you you, you can get to, is you know, I use the example of Cilla Black. You know, I said Cilla Black is, you know, you could actually argue Cilla Black's got an awful voice, but she was incredibly popular. Yeah. So it doesn't mean to say that you have to be particularly brilliant to be loved you know so yeah and i think i just think that we're not people to do something half-heartedly and um we're very fortunate because uh like attracts like doesn't it you know you you liked my message you come on and you become you become the person with the baton yeah you know it's like you know, and so you you've become the leader of the radio. Uh, why is that? Because you're in my image. And then other people like Charlotte and Juliet, etc. Um, they're not involved in Asperweight Radio because of me. They're involved in Asperweight Radio because of you. And this is you know. Then and I just think it's just this. You know, it's just it's it's, it's the it's the complete opposite of what we're talking about today. So you, on the one hand, you've got the breakdown, complete breakdown of society. And then in Aspen Way, you've got the complete opposite. Yeah, you you've have. Got, you've got the total love, as I use the word, love of society, love of the community, love of collaboration, respect for your fellow, respect for people, you know. Uh, nothing is too much trouble. All those things that average people really love. And you can, you can yeah, I echo those words. And you can join us on our journey fully, uh, obviously, don't miss the breakfast show this Friday, uh, Paul's last weekday one. But you can join us fully from next Monday, the sixth of sixth of July, and come on that journey with us because we've started it out. We've built great foundations, and we want to take you on the journey with us. So please do that. Um, I was going to suggest that perhaps today we may be looking into um, the Sex Pistols and Anarchy in the UK or the Smiths' Panic on the Streets of London, but we've turned it round and we've talked about Aspen Weight Radio and media and I, f- I feel better already, so I'm sure you've probably got a, a better choice for a song today, Paul. Yeah, it's, 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 it's quite interesting because this week, um, this week um, the, the, the letter for uh, the show is, is H. Um, and it's um, it's been very interesting, actually, looking at the different, you know, A, B, C, D and the different sort of bands you get from that. Um, one of the things I particularly liked, uh, well, love, actually, about um, about doing the H show is um, and we'll talk about this. Obviously, talk about this a lot more on a Friday. Uh, there's a band that means an awful lot to me because uh, their signature song called Wonderful Life by a band called Hertz. Mm. Um became became a very very serious anthem and a huge part of my incredibly successful bike journey of 1040 miles in 8 days and um, when i used to cycle up the hills so you know like glencoe you know anybody who's done that you know you're talking about i don't know 8 miles of 1 in 10 
non you know incessantly and i used to sing to myself don't give up never give in it's a wonderful over and over again don't give up never give up it's a you know that was my so that that became um and i think you can still see it we we actually i i, I, I don't think you've seen this we, we actually made a film an aspirin weight film production of the bike ride and uh, you know, it actually said, you know, Asper Weight presents da, 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 with, the, with all the, the mountains and everything. No, I've not seen that. Um, and um, Hurt to Wonderful Life was the music, obviously, um, to go with that. And I had a big charity ball. The film was premiered at that, you know. Um, so um, I think I drove everyone nuts. I know the guy that produced it said he was so sick of the song. He wanted to commit suicide because um, he'd heard it so many times. And I don't know why. Um, probably a, sort of moved on. So I hadn't hadn't listened to Hurt's Wonderful Life for more than five years. And I've uh, hugely enjoyed um, getting reacquainted with, with Hurt's this week. So there can only be one song today, which is Wonderful Life by Hurt's. Um, which is, I, I think, one of the things I like about it, apart from anything else, is how how beautifully he sings it. Um, and again, um, check out the video, which is which is really interesting with the synchronized swimmers and the, the ladies, the way they move on the rooftops and the, the use of water and and everything. I just think it's a, it's a great video. So that's the one for today, old chap. Yeah, do go and check it out if you if you're watching on the live stream and if you're listening on the podcast. It will be. Uh, following up in just a moment um thank you so much uh, for watching and listening and joining in with our monday show we do enjoy uh, putting it together and coming on here and, and talking about the issues of the week we'll be back again next week uh, you can get in touch with us in the meantime and you can listen to our brand new radio from next monday you can check out paul's last friday breakfast show which has been a run of eight and they're all available to listen again through aspenweightradio.com and you can go and check that out now. Uh, we look forward to your company next week again. And all that remains is for me to say a big thank you to Mr. Paul Waite for joining me. Yes, and don't forget to see the final part of Birth of the Nation this week as well. Yes, yeah, very well said. I've trained you well, Paul. See, so you have a little bit of advertising at the end there. Thanks, and, boss. Um, thank you, everybody. We'll see you next week. Uh, have a great week. Suzanne takes you down to her place near the river You can hear the boats go by You can spend the night beside her And you know that she's half crazy But that's why you wanna be there And she feeds you tea and oranges That come all the way from China you have no love to give her then she gets you on her wavelength and she lets the river answer that you've always been her lover and you want to travel with her and you want to travel blind and you know that she will trust you for you've touched her perfect body with your mind And 
Jesus was a sailor when he walked upon the water and he spent a long time watching from his lonely wooden tower and when he knew for certain only drowning men could see him he said all men will be sailors then until the sea shall free them but he himself was broken long before the sky would open forsaken almost human he sank beneath your wisdom like a stone and you want to travel with him and you want to travel blind and you think maybe you'll trust him for he's touched your perfect body with his mind Suzanne takes your hand and she leads you to the river. She is wearing rags and feathers from Salvation Army counters, and the sun pours down like honey on Our Lady of the Harbor. And she shows you where to look among the garbage and the flowers there are. Heroes in the seaweed, there are children in the morning, they are leaning out for love, they will lean that way forever while Suzanne holds the mirror. And you want to travel with her, and you want to travel blind, and you know you can trust her. For she's touched your perfect body with her mind.